This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. The next game Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, ScoopDuck.com and 96.1, 580, the game, covering the Ducks every week. And this is fun because we get together every week, but the way last week was situated where you have New Year's and then you have the Rose Bowl. This is our Rose Bowl pod. That's right. Uh, it feels weird too. That's just it, you know. And I was actually, it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning when it's like, man, we're going to record the podcast today. You know, we missed one last week, and it makes it feel like forever, right? You know, when we skip a week, it really. I'm like, man, we haven't recorded a podcast forever. Well, it's only been well, it, it's two weeks in laps, but right. it's like only been a week. And uh, you know, I think, man, you know, we're recovering the Rose Bowl, and you'd think people would still be psyched to talk about it because really, it's only been one week today and just with how fast news goes in our world it's like the rose bowl that was a week ago man it's like well well, yeah but (laughs) what i love um i saw it on my show the last couple nights of giving away ducks basketball tickets and and all people want to talk about is the number four team in the country Right. right rose bowl doesn't even matter different universe and then i go on scoop duck this morning and it's not Hey, congrats, Mario. You won the Rose Bowl. It's, oh, my God, Mario. Why haven't you hired a play caller? Right. Right? It's so amazing how that works. Right. Just give it a week and everybody loses their minds. It, it's, uh, you know, and it does. it's not specific to Oregon fans. It is an instant gratification world anymore. Just right. In anything, in food, in news, in sports, in whatever, you name it. Whatever your interest lies, just instant gratification. Man, it's it's brutal. It's tough. I mean, it's. You know, in our industry, and this is a small tangent, in our industry, you know, you could, in what I do, and whether it was me as an independent or working for 24-7, or you work with ESPN, or you're a paper newspaper writer, uh, or even as you know, you know, you used to be able to get, get away with probably having one guest on. Yes. And now it's, I got to have two, three, four guests, yeah. you know, and for me, it, you used to be able to write like maybe an article or two a day, and that's quite a bit of content. And now it's three or four or five, you know, and it's just... It's amazing what we're doing to keep people entertained. I notice, like I notice just on my own site, if there's a day, like say a Saturday off season, no, no basketball, no, you know, uh, football, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, okay, I'm going to take a Saturday and not put anything up. It's like your phone blows up. No, it's not that it's like Lord of the flies on my site. It's like, <laughs> there's nothing to talk about. Where's J hop. It's like, man. 24 hours. Just go, go outside. Read a book. What I love, and, and we can use this to segue into the topic at hand, yeah. which is Oregon needs a play caller. Apparently. What is going on? The sky is falling. Um, but you see that little Lord of the Flies thing happen <clears throat> in the OC thread that you put up yesterday. Okay. Where you're talking about all the guys that could be getting looks. Sure. And you threw out, hey, here's one name that... I can't remember, and I I know how this goes because I've seen you work. 
you you had a call right. and whoever your source is told you this is what's going down and you were like cool that's great and you just forgot to write it down i did i busy for- guy no you're right busy guy you just yep. forgot to write it down and so like two hours later when you're writing this piece you're like man i wish i remembered that yeah genuine slip well today all the rumors are flying about who the ducks are bringing in and you have like 20 commenters all in, with different theories on who the guy was and what you meant by you didn't know their name and all right. that like come on people right i mean so <laughs> here's the the reality and i'll tell i'll tell you on this podcast so you know i got somebody mentioned the name and it was in passing and I know you've seen this before. Like if I'm talking to somebody and they've got good, you know, I'm usually trying to write down notes yeah. or at least write down names. I didn't have anything in front in with me that time. I think I was in the car. And so I remembered that the person was an analyst at LSU. I remember that. I know I didn't specify mm. in that thread. Okay. I didn't specify in that thread and I know I didn't and I didn't on purpose, but I went, uh, after I hung up with the call that day, I went and looked up LSU's coaching roster. They have like 10 freaking analysts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. I don't know. It's one of these guys, you know, and I wasn't about to like just link the page and say, hey, guess which one, you know, like I knew where it was and it was just and I'm sitting here going, look, I, at the end of the day, I know Mario Cristobal. I know he's thorough. I know he's hearing names of top up and coming guys and he's checking them out, doing his due diligence. That's what you do. Right. But there is no chance in hell Mario Cristobal is going to hire an unproven play caller for his next offensive coordinator. It's going to be somebody that's called plays at some level or at some point in their career. Right. And no no disrespect to that guy. It just it was like you got an interview, you're probably a candidate for maybe an assistant job down the line and I'll bet that's more in line with why Mario interviewed him in case anything happens to the offensive staff at any point. You've at least had an introduction there. But yeah, like you said, it just takes this tiny little tangent to go off and it's, you know, keep people going. I mean, we're in the off season and it's not that off yet. I mean, we still got both basketballs. We still got some recruiting. We got a coaching search at hand. Right. And you'd think it's Lord of the Flies on the site. It's like, oh my gosh. It's amazing. And again, last week, Oregon won the Rose Bowl. I just have to put that. Oh, they won. Yeah. (laughs) We win. Yeah. But another example of how much better the program is now than it was when Mario took over two years ago. Yeah. I remember having all these same conversations, except it wasn't who's going to be the play caller. It was who's going to be the head coach. Right. And now it's just play caller. You've got everything locked in. You just don't have that OC. Yeah. And you know, whether you were a fan of Arroyo or you weren't, I think there's a, a group of a pretty, like if I was just putting a number on it, I'd say 75% of the fan base, whether they liked Arroyo or not, are probably just ready to move on from the Arroyo chapter. And it doesn't mean you hated him as a play caller or an OC. I think you're just you know tired of hearing about it and wondering about it and ready to move into the next wave. The really cool part is about this coaching search that I'm being reminded and about the last coordinator coaching search is Oregon has once again become a destination program. Yes. You are getting proven coaches, guys that are hungry, that want it. I mean, you know, Mario Cristobal is in a position now looking for a play caller to turn away legitimate guys that normally Oregon fans would be absolutely giddy about. He's getting to pick who he thinks is the best of the bunch and turn away very good quality candidates. I said it last night on my show. Every time a job is hired, and and this is true in sports, 
but it's also true in what we do and it's true in the real world you can only hire who's available yeah right right and the difference with this organ job like you said everybody is making themselves available for this maybe not publicly but I think I think a lot of coaches across college football look at what Mario Cristobal has built, yeah. where he can go out and get a five-star defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau, go out and get a five-star linebacker, Justin Flo, <laughs> and get those kids to buy into Eugene, Oregon. Right. And college football coaches are going, I can win there. Right. I want to be a part of this. Or that is a tremendous opportunity for me to, you know, expand and and continue my you know, own career. Right. And I think let's just throw this name. Joel Moorhead is a guy that, you know, obviously no longer with Mississippi state being considered by Oregon for offensive coordinator. That's not a state secret. There's a guy that just like two years ago was one of the hot up and coming coaches in the country. Yeah. One of the hottest. Yeah. And it didn't work out at Mississippi state, whether that's fair or unfair. And if you're, if you're Joe Moorhead and I'm not, but if you were, I would certainly think you're looking at Oregon and saying, hey, look, they've got 90% of the pieces in place, good coaching staff, strength staff, good personnel, top recruiting classes coming in, Mario Cristobal's a workaholic. I could go there for a year, maybe two, and I've probably put myself back into consideration for a job somewhere else as a head coach once again. So two angles there. You're arguing that it would be a career rehab for him? Which is amazing because I think about Lane Kiffin at Alabama. You basically at Oregon could turn Moorhead into the next career rehab like a Lane Kiffin. That blows me away. You uh, you could. There's two. There's two schools. So here, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're good. There's there's two. I have two schools of thought here, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go away from Alabama and what they do. Alabama brings in a lot of really top notch assistants. And gets them ready and cultivates them and teaches them the way and then kicks them out and they go and get, <laughs> well, no, but they go get, you know, the right. assistants get coordinator jobs, right. the coordinators get head coaching jobs. That's the nature of that beast. And I get it. You, I think if you're Mario Cristobal, you do some of that, but on the same hand, you'd really love to model that Clemson where you do find the two guys that decide, Hey, I want to be the lifers as a coordinator. I just love to coach offense and I just love to coach defense. Mm hmm cool guys we'll turn out the assistance as long as we keep you guys the rest of it's the same right. to a degree i i think now i'm not saying i don't know joe Moore, i don't know a lot about joe moorhead and so i don't know if he is the guy that says let me go career rehab or hey i see something that sets me up for the long haul i was an offensive coordinator i really liked that i was a head coach even if it was only for a year or two not sure i really loved all that right. comes with that I can go to Oregon and ultimately I probably have my choice in a couple of years if I want to stay and just be an offensive guy and run that ship, you know, right through the Pac-12. You've got that. Mm -hmm. And if you decide, hey, I want to I want to be the guy again, you've probably rehabbed yourself into that. At first, when Andy Avalos was hired, I thought he was going to be the former. I thought he was going to be the guy that comes in. He didn't need a career rehab, but going to come in and show that he was the young gun, the next guy. Yeah. He's, he's next up, right? I thought he was going to be that guy, basically defensive coach, you know, working for a head coaching job. And now I'm kind of in between. He loves coaching defense. Now I'm not saying he's not getting other offers or he's, you know, that's still not the case. He has just, in, instead of me being at a 10, 
in the regard of he's coming in and leaving within a couple of years. Right. Maybe I'm at like a six or seven now. Like, hey, there's maybe a chance he stays a little longer because he loves coaching defense, doesn't want to do all the hiring, firing that Mario has to do, doesn't want to mm-hmm. do all the, you know, academic stuff and, and booster schmoozing and all this other stuff that goes along with it. Right. There's, Mario has to put a face on a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. So, anyways, w- with regards to Moorhead, I, I wonder and, – and so you start to kind of wonder, does Oregon – lean more towards Bama or Clemson or even a combination. I think I think if if it's a perfect world, you know, you you've got two coordinators that might stay for a long time hopefully. And if they don't, you'll just go make the next best hire at that time. I mean, Cristobal's track record's pretty much well proven at this point. It's only been 2 years, but it's very well proven at this Rose point. Rose Bowl at the end of 2 years. Yeah. I, I still can't believe they get to the Rose Bowl and yeah. win it in 2 years under Mario. Uh, against it, a very good team. Against a very good team. Right. Wisconsin could have won that game. Yeah. I mean, we're not just like sitting here going, yeah, Oregon won the Rose Bowl, but the other team gifted it to them. They didn't gift them shit. No. Oregon earned it. Yeah. I mean, that was, and to me, you know, one of the elements that I know it's kind of been mentioned, but I don't think it's really been embraced. Okay. Let's just say one year ago. One year ago. That Wisconsin, they would have drilled Oregon. Yes, that exact same team. And I'm here's what I'll say: that exact same team that Oregon lined up with this year, that exact same team across the board, same experience, same everything, minus the strength and conditioning program, would have been worn down by halftime. Would have had their ass handed to them in the third and fourth quarter by an offensive line that just paved the way and ran yards. And it was Oregon that pushed around Wisconsin in the third and fourth quarter. Again, I'm just simply saying that the, the the evolution of this team from a physicality standpoint in Mario's two-point years is absolutely ridiculous. Case in point, I think the play of the game is that third down throw to Jawan Johnson mm-hmm. where Herbert gets up to the line quick and scans the left sideline right. and sees the corner should be pressing. Here. Right. It's, it's third it was like six, short. seven yards off. Yeah. yeah. But he's tired. Right. It's the fourth quarter. He's got hands on hips because the Ducks have been running at him all game. Yep. And Herbert realizes, hey, I got seven free yards here. Yeah. I'll go throw to my six foot four freak. Right. And Jawan makes a play, breaks a tackle, Ducks win. Yeah. That's because of conditioning. Yeah. No, I and that's because of condi- conditioning. Uh, you know, Herbert's uh third and final touchdown run. I mean, just look at the way the, the, the line sealed the edge there for him to have that, you know, run out there. And the stiff arm. And yeah, then but then the receivers downfield blocking fresh, push those guys out of the way. I mean, you, you just go back and you watch the tape and you watch it. And if you just watch nothing else but the trenches, mm-hmm. the D-line is absolutely eating up an impressive Wisconsin offensive line in the third and fourth quarter. They did it all game, but third and fourth quarter when it matters, they're just pushing them around and having their way with them. And to me, there's no bigger element to this team than just the absolute mind-blowing, mind-blowing amount of physicality this team has in two short years under Mario Cristobal. Right. It's a transformation. And and I want to talk about that a little bit later. I want to dive back, though, into the Moorhead conversation. Yeah. There's an angle that really intrigues me, something you wrote about yesterday. If Mario wants to prioritize this search sure right he's going to value experience of course but i think identity plays a part we've talked about that for weeks it's not going to be a pass happy guy right Uh, it's going to be a guy that is okay smashing the rock running the football playing play action 
And you said, hey, this guy also has to gel with the staff. Yeah, yeah. I think Moorhead might have an inside track there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen it with Nick Saban. You go out and you bring, uh, you know, he's brought Steve Sarkeesian in. He's brought guys that have been head coaches elsewhere, brought Lane Kiffin back, you know, and worked with them. And I think that, you know, like you said, it's kind of a career rehab deal. You know, Moorhead could be the next career rehab project. Um, I think he runs a little bit if I, and I, and I don't know the, you know, X's and O's like QB 11 or Hitler day of those guys, but you just go and look at what Joe Moorhead's done. He's a little bit more wide open, a little bit more spread than what we've seen Oregon do in the past, but not like, you know, obscenely, you know what I mean? He's not Chip Kelly. He's a different guy. <laughs> he, you know, he's very run based. Right. The one guy that really lines up is Will Hall from Tulane. Uh, you know, Will Hall, if you go and you look at him and you watch it the way Tulane's offense runs, you will see a tremendous amount of similarities between what they're doing and what Oregon's done. And for just, you know, he's kind of an unproven guy. He might be the next hot commodity. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Will Hall to be like, hey, this is the dude. I do know enough from what I'm hearing to say that he's – those are probably your top two candidates, Will Hall and Joe Moorhead, if I had to guess right now. Those are probably wow. Oregon's next OC is probably one of those next two, one of those two guys. And, uh, you know, there is something that you said there, a lot of similarities in offense. That's one. Recruiting, I don't know. I think Moorhead's a pretty aggressive recruiter, and I, I think Mario will align with that. I don't know enough about Will Hall to, will Hall to know if, if that is a strength of his or not. Um, it's certainly not out on the West Coast, but – I think that's a tad bit overlooked. Yeah, he's primarily been in the South or the East or the Southeast, you know, throughout most of his career. But once you've built relationships at high schools at some level, once you show up and you right. have an Oregon jacket on or an Oregon polo on, you're associated with Oregon. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, hey, I don't know you. And if you, here's the thing coaches recognize other coaches. Yes. You go in yes. and you know your shit and they can tell that you're real and that you know what you're talking about. You're in. You're done. After 10 minutes, you could be that guy's next best friend. Right. And, and that was the problem I think Willie Taggart had at Oregon. Right. Was, uh, I think about Chase Coda as, as the example that stands out to me, mm -hmm. local kid here. You would see Willie talk to Chad, his dad, Duck Legend, and Chad's a coach. Yeah. And Chad could just tell. Right. Hey, yeah. this guy's not authentic. Right. And you tell that to your son. Your son sees it, too, because he's no dummy. You work with coaches every day. You know when coaches are being real. Yeah. And and I agree with you. He's just going to be real. If if he's the guy, right. that's what you want. Just be real. Just walk in with that Oregon hoodie and do your magic. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, uh, coaches and even recruits, they can they enjoy hype and flash. And then after about a day, that wears off, and they start, really, you know, if you're a really smart coach, X's and O's, offense or defense, either way, but if you mm -hmm. go in and, you know, if you're Will Hall and you're walking into Modern Day or St. John Bosco, perfect examples, you say, hey, coach, I hear you got a quarterback. We're really interested. Let me tell you a little bit about my offense. Five minutes, you know, tell them, boom, that coach is going to know, hey, this dude's got some stuff here. This is legit. Or, you know what I mean? And, and and if you're going in and saying, oh, coach, we love your guy. Let me get you an edit. You know, I mean, that stuff's all fun, but that's, you know, that, that just it's not football. Yeah, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Like you said, there, there's a very significant difference there. So I think Will Hall will be fine. I think the, 
you know, oh, he doesn't know the West Coast. I think that's overblown. He'll be shown the West Coast. Mario Cristobal will make sure he knows where he's going. Right. At the end of the day, if Will Hall came in, he's probably primarily responsible for recruiting one quarterback in any given year, which is not a tall order. You can go find one of those anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And after that, you're probably just helping the other offensive coaches recruit the guys they want. It's not really your job to go find wide receivers and, and running backs and tight ends, mm-hmm. more than likely. So I think it'll be fine. It's just really, like you said, going to ma- matter if Joe Moorhead or Wilt Hall mesh with the other coaches and how their uh, philosophies align with what Mark Because Mario Cristobal is not changing this offense. No, and he doesn't have to. No, he might tweak this offense. We could see some new plays and some new wrinkles, but overall the base offense is going to stay the same and you're going to see a very run-heavy oriented offense at Oregon. Yes. Period. Yes. When three of the names in your starting 11 next year are Sewell and <laughs> Tawanu'u and yeah. Omave, right. you run the ball. Right. Get those big guys running. Get them going. Yeah. No, it's uh but yeah, anyway, so that's kind of the offensive coordinator search. I know I've posted way more on the site. I encourage you guys to go read the site if you're not subscribers, if you're just listening to us babble on for whatever reason. I don't know why. Seriously, yeah. you've had some good stuff on that this week. No, no it's been... I, I was just catching up on it this morning, <laughs> yeah. and I, I can't believe you mentioned this, how thorough Mario Cristobal is. Mario has so many names. There's so yeah. many names in this process. That blows me away. Yes. Yeah, and they're good names. You know, they're legit names. Like like you said, um, you know, hey, why not go hire Chip Kelly, right? Bad example, but that's what I'm – you can only hire who's available. Yes. You know, if there's an offensive coordinator at another school that's doing really well, okay, and if it's a major school, chances are they're not leaving. So you've got to go find an up-and-comer or perhaps somebody like Joe Moorhead falls into your lap. I mean, that seems like yeah. – Unless you're Syracuse, you have to hire who's available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love but, that story. But it seems it's yeah. It, but it seems like if you're Mario Cristobal, it seems like that you were born under a lucky star. If you're in an offensive coordinator search that you've already taken two weeks doing, and suddenly in the final week, Joel Moorhead's available. Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't know if he prays every night or what, but that seems like a pretty tall for. I'm not saying Joel Moorhead has to be the guy, but to have a guy that caliber available at this point in the year pretty lucky guy yeah but yeah it's it's hard to find somebody that checks off every box yeah we see that in the nfl where the panthers think they had that guy matt rule and so did everybody else in the nfl they all loved him so carolina has to pay seven years and a brinks truck (sighs) my goodness right it's it's rare to find that guy that checks off every box on the list the ducks there's a few candidates that might check off every box on the list i think they're pretty close to checking them all it's going to be a good hire uh, you know, whether, you know, we were having the debate, man, you know, Herbert was about to be gone. So then we were going to see what Marcus Arroyo can do minus Justin Herbert with a new quarterback, wondering what the difference is. And we don't get to see it. Now it's all out the window. Yeah. Now it's all out the window. Well, but. Hey, talk about new quarterback. And, and you went here a minute ago yeah. with the hypothetical of here's what the next OC has to do in yeah. terms of their job requirements. You got to find a quarterback every year. Yes, and and this season proves just how easy that fruit is to pick for Oregon. Yeah, they already had a guy in Butterfield, and then at the last minute, oh hey, a four star wants to join. Right, like, sure, we'll make room for him. Right, 
And and you were all over this Ashford kid. Yeah. Start of the process or start of his process to Oregon. With you're Oregon. Like, yeah. You're like, hey, there's a chance the Ducks get this kid. They get him. Right. They get him on freaking signing day. And then last week he tears up an all-star game. Yeah. I, we've we've talked before about the big questions for Oregon next year. I think quarterback is the biggest question. None bigger than quarterback. But he might be your answer. Maybe. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I mean, I know the the name of the game anymore is is you know, a lot of folks. Let's just I mean, we can just go ahead and Alabama's a perfect example. They've relied on true freshmen a couple times now, you know, going and signing an elite quarterback and hoping they're the answer. You got lucky with Tua Tagovailoa Oh, as yeah, a true freshman did. there, you know, that worked out. Uh, now, you know, two is gone, and you're going to do the same with Bryce Young at Alabama. That's what you're – you have nothing else. Mm-hmm. It's Bryce Young's job. He's not even on campus, and it's his job. Right. Um, it, it's just crazy to think about. Now, I think for Oregon, obviously, you've got Tyler Shuck, who's developed for a couple years. Uh, we don't know. He's just To me, I just label him an unknown quantity. He could be good. He could be great. He could be average. He could be below average. We really don't know. The limited spring uh, spring game and then, you know, just the limited amount of snaps we've seen live, live game action, he's been fine. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, he's a, uh, a Heisman candidate. That's mm-hmm. silly. But we also can't say that he's not ready. We don't know. So, and here here's my bigger point if you're Oregon. I believe, and I know I've wrote this already, I believe there is a lot of very, very, very early optimism about next season within that building. You're going to go and look at that defense, and let's just say if what I wrote is true, that Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore and Jordan Scott are all coming back, and you're adding Flo and Sewell to this defense, holy crap. Well, the, the, the best guy coming back, no question he's coming back, and that's number five. Right, no. but And then you've got Andy Avalos in his second year, not his first year. Yes. You're – Already talking about the potential of a championship team right there, just based off defense. Yes, I don't get. Yes. That's not hyperbole. You win with defense. You run, win with running the ball. Oregon's gonna run the ball. They'll figure it out. Guaranteed. Uh, the, the talk that Kellen Moore might go to Seattle and be the Washington OC, and also uh, you know Bill Musgrave being mm-hmm. the, the next guy in Berkeley. Yeah, I guarantee you those guys from the minute they step in, first day at the team facility first crack of film they are watching Oregon tape right. and they're trying to figure out and and I wish them the best of luck I don't think they're going to find the answer <laughs> they're trying to figure out how to beat Andy Avalos yeah the answer is go find some freaking dudes that's all <laughs> that's all you can do yes is go yes. find some freaking because if Jonathan Taylor can't get 100 yards against this Oregon defense nobody in the Pac-12 is right and I say that as hyperbole I mean there will be obviously it, you got to play the games but still we, there's not a running back the caliber of Jonathan Taylor in the Pac-12. Show them the tape of 240 pounds when wet. Yeah. True freshman, Kayvon Thibodeau, going 1v1 with a nose guard. Yeah. And driving him like a blocking sled. Right. And then crushing a quarterback and forcing an ugly pick. The Remington Award winner, too, by the way. Right. At, at the center. Remington yeah. Award winner. Yeah. Against the true freshman. Yeah. That, and Thibodeau. That is, Thibodeau will be 250, 255 next year. There's no no doubt about it. Yes. He'll be bigger, stronger, and still as fast. I mean, and then he'll have Noah Sewell and Justin Flo behind him. Yes. You're screwed. <laughs> You're absolutely screwed. I, I don't care. Like, X's and O's, that's the kind of play where coaches will literally curl up what they've drawn and trash it 
and just shake their head right. in frustration. Yeah, there's nothing you can draw up to beat that. Exactly. They'll shake their head because like it was drawn up perfectly, it was executed perfectly, and we still couldn't get it done <laughs> because you have five stars all over the board now. And even though Graham and Lenore weren't five stars coming out of high school, they've turned themselves into two of the, of oh, the yeah. better corners in the Pac-12. Javon Holland, again, another superstar in the backfield. Um, anyways, back to the quarterback. Oregon's going to have a championship caliber defense, mm-hmm. which is a, which is an absolute staple of a championship team. I'm not saying they're getting to the championship. I'm just saying that that side of the ball is in pretty good shape. Yes. Uh, you're going to have to be able to do something on offense, and that's where we're going to have to talk about the offensive line. I think from a, from a talent standpoint, it is a more talented offensive line than what has graduated. They're not as experienced. They're not as developed. That's a totally different part, mm-hmm. part of the equation. Right. But just talent for talent coming in, these guys are much more talented. Give them a couple games, I think they're going to be really good. Good enough to be able to get Oregon two, three, four yards on first down, which we know is a staple of the Oregon offense. That's the name of the game. Yeah. And I like that you differentiated the value of talent on the line versus experience. Yeah. Because I agree with you. The measurables, uh, these guys are huge. These guys are fast. They have great arms and great hand placement. The talent is there. But offensive line, I've used this analogy before, it's kind of like being in a band. Yeah. Of the bass player has to have chemistry with the drummer. Right. The guitar player has to have chemistry with the bass player. The singer has to have a good feel for the beat everybody's laying down and the chords that they're doing and, you know, what everyone's going to do on stage, things like that. Right. You got five people that need to work together. Yeah. And for a couple games, it and, could get and rough. I hate to say it. Maybe when the Buckeyes are playing, right? Maybe those five guys aren't gelled yet. Yeah. But when you're playing Oregon State at the end of the year, sure. I think those five guys are locked in. I agree with you. I think by the end of the year, this offensive line will be every bit as good as it was this year. Uh, towards the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, you know, probably some false starts and some holds and some things like that that are going to go in the learning curve category. But like you said, the the number one thing, rhythm. They're going to have to establish that rhythm. Uh, they're just going to have to work together, know the calls, know, you know, uh, know the handoffs, all those types of things. And they'll get there. And I think they'll get there faster than we think. This is going to be a heavily Mario Cristobal recruited offensive line, whereas Throckmorton and Hanson and, and Lemieux, as great as those guys were, none of them were Mario recruits. Right. Now, he made them great, and, he, and they were a tremendous group, but they weren't Mario recruits. Stephen Jones is a Mario recruit. Uh, Sala Amave is a Mario recruit. Penesul, obviously. But you've got, you know, three, four, four-fifths, whatever. Uh, and let's not forget, there's there's options in the uh, grad transfer market, too. Right. I and mean, you, you and I are recording this podcast about an hour ago. Cade Mays announced he's leaving Georgia. Wow. Right. Wow. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that there's, I'm not saying that there's anything there. I'm just saying that's what you look at. You just keep, you know, these look at, I mean, Dallas Warmack ended up and maybe he wasn't the best offensive lineman. He was a really good offensive lineman, a starter and a, starter? a key part good of contributor. the good equation. Good locker room guy. Yeah. And, you know, Cade Mays could come in and fill a, a potential hole if that's needed. Who knows? And, and I'll raise this point. It could be somebody else too. We're January. There's going to be guys that transfer in the spring too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know how the transfer window is yep. now. Oh it's, yeah. It's free agency. It the is. only difference between it and free agency is free agency has a window. <laughs> yeah. The right. transfer window is really yeah. it's it's a transfer hole. Yeah. It's just wide open all year. Um, you mentioned there's a lot of coaches 
that behind the scenes really want to come to Oregon. Yeah. And I think that's true with players. They see Mario Cristobal. They hear the post-game interview that he gave with Joey Mack and the post-game interview that he gave on ESPN, and they see the fun that his players had and Troy Dye smoking a victory cigar after right. that Rose Bowl win. I think players want to be a part of this. Well, I mean, here's the, here's the deal. Oregon was well aware that Jamie Newen, the Wake Forest quarterback, was transferring before he finished his bowl game and before he announced his transfer. Now, that doesn't mean Mario Cristobal is on the phone with Jamie Newman. You should transfer. We need you. You should transfer. He's not pulling a Nick Rolovich. Yeah, that's not how these things work. But the the thing is, these things, you know, Newman's intent to transfer, you know, he clearly sent out the channels. He needed to send it out. Oregon caught wind of it. I'm guessing I'm, there's several other schools that caught wind of it too, not just Oregon. You know, that's, that's what happens. And so, like you said, going back almost like, what are, I don't know, maybe three topics ago, Biggest question for Oregon. We, You and I both said this, and I said it to the last game. Oregon would go as far as number 10 would take them this year. Yep. And that was true. You know, it really was true. The offensive line carried Oregon as far as it could. At some point, number 10 had to make plays. Uh, and he did in the Rose Bowl, thank goodness. The offense this year will go as far as number 12 takes them, which is Tyler Shuck's number. If somebody else comes in as a grad transfer and wins the job, so be it. My problem is you can't just hand the game off to Tyler Shuck. You can't just say, hey, here you go, good yeah. luck. And furthermore, should Tyler Shuck get injured against Ohio State in the second game, after that you're talking about Cale Millen and two freshmen possibly taking over for the rest of your season. Your season's gone. Mm-hmm. Your season's done. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but there's no way. A redshirt freshman and two true freshmen. They're not. Getting yeah, in. they're not bringing the slack up there, especially not with the younger offensive line that Oregon will have. So – you got to bring in a grad transfer and you just have to lay it out simply for that grad transfer. You're going to have competition. You could be the guy. I don't know. You come in and earn the job and it's your job. That's what you take, tell them. And that's what you sell them. And if they want to come, I, 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 I fully, fully believe you go get a grad transfer quarterback that you really like. And if nothing else, you bring them in for experience and development of not only themselves, but Tyler Shuck and the guys below them. I, I can't remember Dakota Prukop. Was mm-hmm. he the year before Vernon or after Vernon? He was after Vernon. Okay. Yeah. I feel like this season is reminiscent of that QB battle. Yeah. Where you bring him in for the sake of experience, but you have a couple guys under him that they don't have the game reps. Right. And and in the case of, you know, the guy who wins that job at the end of the year right. didn't have any college experience. But you you just have a battle yeah and and you go into fall camp and you don't really know who the guy is media day mario's going to get peppered with questions about that but then on the eve of the season you find out who your guy's going to be yeah i really like that you went there with vernon adams and prukop because obviously oregon fans can you know recall that situation like oh yeah that's not because at the time you had you know when the vernon adams saga was coming to his main battle was going to be jeff Lockie, and i know as much as it was promoted that jeff Lockie could be the guy he was never going to be the guy i remember that right. i remember reporting on my show uh back in klamath falls back in the day i right. remember saying uh like a sports update that vernon adams did not get any snaps in practice right Right. And, you know, if you if if Oregon had counted on Jeff Lockie that year and not gone after a graduate transfer, they would have had a pretty rough year. Yeah. You know, 
And so thank goodness Vernon Adams was able to come in and, and that was that. Uh, I don't remember who was under Jeff Lockie. It was some, it wasn't, it, man, I don't even, might have, man, I don't remember. But then in the next situation, I think that was the year where they basically took Justin Herbert as a prep. Yes. Herbert comes in as a true freshman. So you got Lockie gone. You got Vernon Adams gone. You and go they after, wanted to redshirt him. Yeah. So you go after Dakota Prukop because at that point you're counting on Justin Herbert basically. And I think it was Travis Waller that was also on roster as a quarterback, which was, uh, you know, he needed a lot of work, obviously. You, you're basically saying, yeah, we're going to go into the season with just these two guys and let them battle it out. Well, you had to go get Dakota Prukop. And – even though it worked out perfectly because I believe had you thrust Justin Herbert in game one and maybe he struggled, he might not have been able to recover as a true freshman that year. I know that Justin Herbert finished out that season, but having Dakota Prukop there in the summer and in fall camp to kind of help bring him up probably helped him considerably in his growth from a high school player to a college player in just a few short months. Right. So I think the same could be said of a Jamie Newman or if there's another graduate transfer that Oregon really wants. You bring them in, and if they don't work out, no, you know, it's water under the bridge at that point. If they do work out, it's even better for you. But at the very least, they've brought your quarterback group up and helped those younger guys and helped teach them some of the terminology and these other things in practice and in meetings and, and really put a veteran presence there. And I'm, I'm not saying Tyler Shuck can't do that, but you got to have two dudes. You got to have two guys going at it. You've got to you got to have somebody there to push Tyler Shuck and make him better. I think that's a huge element that made Justin Herbert better this year was having Tyler Shuck there pushing him. Mm-hmm. You got to have it. You got to have it. Now, can you have five quarterbacks anymore pushing each other? No, they just leave. You can't, but you got to have a couple guys. Right. Oregon needs a second quarterback with experience. They I, just do. I agree. I agree. And and the young guys aren't ready. You get them a red shirt. Yeah. Um if you can get the graduate transfer then you're set up, yes. and and you have Shuck versus the grad transfer, and you just see what happens. And you see what happens, and you know again, you're just going to have iron sharpening iron, and you're going to feel much better about your situation if you're Mario Cristobal, whoever the play caller is, whoever the OC is going into uh, the spring and the fall with having those two guys battling it out. Uh, the rest of the offensive group is going to feel better about where things stand, having that taking place as well. Uh, you just got to do it, and none of this is a, an indictment of Tyler Shuck. No, he's unproven. He's unproven, which is not an indictment, which is not a negative. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Yeah. You, hey, we don't know where you're at. We think you're pretty good, but we don't know. Well, I, I, I use the example, and some fans are going to roll their eyes. I only bring this up because this is an experience I have in media. I covered Oregon State, Jonathan Smith's first year. Oh yeah, and I remember being there at media day on the eve of fall camp. And everybody wants to know who your starting quarterback's going to be. Right. Well, he thought he had the guy in Jake Luton. He thought, you know, Luton was pretty good in the spring, and Luton had some good measurables, and Luton did some things on tape in the previous offense, but he didn't know how is Luton going to perform on game day right. in my offense. Right. And and that's a question that Tyler Shuck has to answer. Yeah. Does he do great in the locker room? Yes. Great practice guy so far? Yes. Coaches love him. But new offensive coordinator, right. potentially a little new scheme. Yeah. They don't know how he's going to perform till he performs. Yeah, exactly. And you 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 know, you're you're literally one snap, one injury away there from derailing 
what I know right now is is a fairly optimistic looking season. I'm not calling it a I'm not saying Oregon's win the, winning the Natty next year, but they're very confident about their chances of of going far next year. So we'll see what that means. But I guess we got to get a play caller in there first, right? Yeah. Right. So so the big three that I wanted to break down today: Ducks win the Rose Bowl. Yep. Amazing. Right. Um, you know what we say, win by one, win by 100, it doesn't matter. And they, and they won by one. Yeah, and, just and, win, baby. And here's the funny thing, too. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Chinook wins that sports book on mm-hmm. the Oregon coast. They they had the craziest betting line for that game. Everybody else, it was Wisconsin by three. Right. And Chinook wins has Oregon by one because all the Duck fans are betting on the Ducks. And so I thought, man, I'm so glad that I don't live on the coast yeah. and I can't bet there because I would have totally touched Oregon by one. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I was over there and I could bet, I would, and I could bet college football, I'd go bet on everybody but Oregon. I hate being <laughs> that close to a program because right. I think, but man, you know, there's a bunch of games this year I would have bet and made some good money on. But it, yeah. it's my Raider rule is yeah. the same way. Yeah. Of just don't bet on I them. get really nervous if the Raiders are in a parlay or in a right. bet or anything. Yeah. I just don't trust them. Just avoid it. Yeah. Um, uh, so my big three topics today Ducks win the Rose Bowl. Who's going to be the play caller? And what's the situation at quarterback yeah i feel like we hit all of those we hit all those anything I, else you want to talk about duck y- football related uh i don't think so man we kind of got that going you know recruiting you know we, we we recapped the class that signed uh obviously dante manning the four-star defensive back has been since added and did sign in the early period so you can add him on to the uh, commit list for oregon he's a baller he's a man he looked good um, and so that really helps solidify that DB room uh, for Oregon again. And I know I've wrote this on the site and it's, you know, reasonably common knowledge. There's only a couple spots left. And if we're, you know, you and I are sitting here saying take a grad transfer quarterback, you know, there, if you got three spots left, if you're Mario Cristobal and you use one on a grad transfer quarterback, that leaves you with two spots. And that's just, I'm saying those are what ifs, but those are both pretty, um, realistic what ifs so you got a couple spots left and you don't have to use them you can use them but you can also save those spots and and, and try to roll them over or or move some things around or also once again like we said wait to see what happens in the grad transfer portal i mean there's there's always options in there it seems like o- almost any time and i'm gonna borrow a phrase you say pretty much every week we do this pod this is a good problem to have yes yeah you you don't want to be in a situation where, let's just say, a guy like Devin Williams comes up and you don't have a spot, makes it really diff- You know, you just can't go. You know, if you're if you're if you're Oregon and you use all your spots by February, the next signing days in February, if you use up your three spots and you get to spring ball and Tyler Shuck suffers an injury the first week of spring ball, you're in deep shit. <laughs> and and so, you just reminded me now, you have a couple studs on that O line. We haven't seen them in game time, but the talent is there. Right. You have a quarterback, potentially, who has been in your system for two years and, and learned the ropes and now gets his swing at it. You have one of the best returning wideouts in the country, Micah yeah. Pittman, and you add a former five-star. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's good. That You know, that, that room has been definitely elevated from just a couple years ago to now in terms of overall talent um you know the wide receiver room has really been turned over 
you know, tight end to me is a little bit of a question mark right now. So I think, and I and I say that Cam McCormick could be a great tight end. Just don't know. He's been injured, and it happens. Some guys are chronically injured. Some guys are able to finally work through it. We just don't know. I'm right. not ready to write him off, but it's a big what if right now. And so, you know, then you're planning on, is it Patrick Herbert after that? Is it Spencer Webb? You really like to run two tight ends, and you really barely have one right now. So um, I, I think you pay attention, if you're Mario Cristobal, to that position moving forward and really seeing if just anybody enters the portal that's worth, you know, bringing on as a tight end. That could be a huge help for Oregon, I think, next year, quarterback and tight end. That would really really solidify things in my mind if they did that though once again i'll go back if they let's just say for argument's sake a quarterback and a tight end transfer into oregon as a grad transfer you got one spot left you only got one spot left at that point so again there won't be a lot of recruiting activity in the next few weeks which is fine oregon will keep turning the rocks they'll bring some guys in to visit uh they have visits to spare why not get to know them? make sure you're not missing something make sure there you know isn't a guy you have to take right um but it'll be pretty slim pickings. Slim pickings. Oregon's will be Oregon will be really picky at this point moving forward on that front. But I am excited about Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, both the literal and figurative, right? Right? Because because the literal is uh, the pros yes. might have a broadcast change, right? Do you know something? I wait. You have a grin on your face. What? what do you know about this? About Monday Night Football? You look like you know something I don't know. about I do. This. I must right now. I'm talking about the college football championship game. Okay. All right. Monday's the figure on Monday night. That that's was the, the figurative. That's the yeah. Figurative. No, I don't okay. know it. Honestly, I don't pay attention to the NFL. I, I thought like, I, is Mike Bellotti going to get that job? Like, no. What am I missing? Here? I I watched uh, more NFL this past weekend than I've watched all year long, and those were some really good wild card games. I missed most of the stuff on Sunday. I watched one game on Sunday, but um, I watched the other two on Saturday. Those were both great games, a lot yeah. of fun. To, that was a good weekend of football. Um, watched Tom Brady's last game, hopefully. Uh, well, it put to bed the uh, the Mariota Tannehill debate. Yeah, it did. Because you know, the which Titans was, win, which but Tannehill was t- only puts a, up 70 yards. That's a tough pill to swallow, I'm not going to lie. But, um, yeah, that game was won by Derrick Henry in defense right yes. there. Yeah. Yes. Um, Mariota would have done way better, I think. Yeah. But, but uh anyway. Anyways, yeah, Monday Night Football, LSU, Clemson. I'm excited to see that game. Yeah. That's going to be a beauty. You got five minutes to talk natty? Yeah. that's right. what, Yeah, I figured that's what we'd send it out on. Let's do it. I mean, there's still there's basketball, but, I mean, it's kind of like just getting going okay. for me. All right. National Championship. <sighs> okay. LSU, Clemson. Right. And, and this is... It's tough because LSU is a grinder. Yeah. They they beat the big bad Alabama. They beat Georgia. They beat Florida. They beat Auburn. I want to say LSU is the best team in the country just yeah. by all of those accounts. But Clemson's the national champ. Right. They are undefeated again. Right. They just beat a really good Ohio State team. I still don't know how, but they did. And I I just feel like Clemson's going to take this game. How do you feel about this game? Uh, you know, you 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 definitely hit a lot of the points I you know, I I a lot of people have so much doubt for this LSU team and I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand what the doubt is. They've got great I don't know if maybe if it's because Ed, Ed Orgeron is the head coach. I don't know. But you got great athletes all over the field, everywhere. You got the best quarterback in the country on your side. 
Um, I mean, you got so many things going a great direction for you if you're LSU, and you've been a dominant team beating some really good teams along the way. I don't know what else they have to do to earn people's respect, but, I mean, when I saw them whoop up on Oklahoma, it didn't shock me one bit. I mean, I I didn't see Oklahoma being in that game, and there were people appalled that that was a 14-point game, and obviously that wasn't even close to enough no. as far as the spread goes. So, But then there's Clemson, man. I thought there's no way Clemson was beating Ohio State. I thought there was no way Clemson would beat Ohio State. And then they get out there, you know, and it's looking pretty good for Ohio State from the get-go. They start moving the ball. And next thing you know, Clemson starts Clemsoning. They make adjustments on defense, which I know Venable's really good about. Um, Trevor Lawrence starts lighting it up. They start running the ball. I mean, the creativity I saw on offense was pretty tremendous. That was like, that was kind of like what Oregon fans are watching. Go, man, I, I like that. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing to me, right as Brady is on his last days. Yeah. Breeze, I think, is going to have to answer the same question in the coming years. Uh, Rogers take a tailspin this year he's not the same guy no that golden age of quarterbacks in the nfl oh, might man. be winding down yeah and then look who moves on of the greatest single performance i've ever seen in a college football game to a tag of Iloa as a true freshman in the natty now he's going to the draft right and then a year later Trevor Lawrence with a Joe Montana impression yeah. in the national title game blew everybody away. Right. Now he gets his second national championship game. Right. Like these are once in a lifetime quarterbacks. And they're about to join Michael Vick at Baltimore. <laughs> right. That's kind of what we got going on is right. you know, little different eras in there, but yeah. Vic 2.0. And and, and, and uh, yeah, that was I think that was actually uh, a negative towards Lamar Jackson, who's been nothing short of spectacular. But yeah, it's kind of that next wave of next wave of quarterbacks coming in. It's pretty, and then you know where does Herbert fall in there? I mean, he's going to be somewhere. Somebody's yeah. going to give him a shot. Vegas, yeah, Vegas. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, after yeah. after the three rushing touchdowns, that was my moment. I said, I honestly, I don't want him to be a Raider. Yes, I think he's a great guy. I, I know his teammates love him. I know you've never said a bad thing about his character, and, and none of the people that you're close to at Oregon will ever say a bad thing about his character. Right. None of my people that covered him in high school ball could say a bad thing about him. I don't know if he has the X's and O's to translate to the NFL. Yeah. But the physical tools, he's going to be a first-rounder. He's going to go high, and I'm terrified that he's going to go to Vegas. It's going to it's gonna require somebody to manage him properly and to bring him along. I think to bring him along slowly. If anybody drafts him as a first-rounder and expects him to be their guy on day one, I just don't think that that's fair for him. Right. And so I, I will not label him. Personally, I will not label him as a bust if that scenario plays out. I actually think that would be a really smart scenario. But unfortunately... Unfortunately, in today's day and age, when you draft a first rounder, you're expecting semi-immediate results, yeah. regardless of what position they play. Well, unless he goes to New England, because right. New England's the one team that I think is smart enough to just play the best guy, sure. regardless of the politics. If he goes anywhere else, first round pick, they expect you to win that job. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And so it's 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 uh, it's going to be a real interesting dynamic for him. Somebody will take him. You know, measurables and arm strength and those things alone, he's got all that. He, that. That's all NFL level. It's just going to be a matter of, like you said, the X's and O's and some of the mental stuff and being able to, to, to read defenses at a very rapid pace. That'll be the trick. But, 
Um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, the next era of, of quarterbacks is coming in. Uh, you got a lot of guys coming out. Um, the NFL's kind of maybe the NFL's changing guard. Maybe the Patriots dynasty is done. Right. When that, I tell you what, man. I I watched that Patriots game, and I'm not a Patriot hater. I don't really care. I'm not. I'm not a Tom Brady hater either. I have no problem with him. He's never done anything negatively. You know, everybody just doesn't like him because he's successful and good looking. You know, we all want to be Tom Brady (laughs) and rich. I've said enough mean, hateful things this week, so I'm not going to step in here. But uh, no, as far as as far as uh, that goes, what I noticed about Tom Brady and and the Patriots most, they missed Gronkowski in that game badly. Oh, yeah. They missed him all year. Well, it gets back to what you're saying about Oregon of in any offense. You need your tight end. Yeah, you need your tight end, especially. I mean, we're seeing the emergence of George Kittle. And these guys, that that athletic tight end, not the mauler blocker guy, but a guy that can do enough blocking and be that athletic. I mean, George An Kittles, every down tight end. Yeah, an every down tight end. Those guys have a real, uh, seem to have a real market value in, in, in today's NFL and and definitely do in today's college football. But back to uh, Monday Night Football, LSU Clemson. Who do you got? I have Clemson, but I'm torn. Like, I'm torn. Like, there's so much talent on that LSU team and Coach O is so fun. Yep. I just can't go against unbeaten defending national champs. It's like when you're talking about March Madness every year and you have a couple teams that are pretty close. Oh, yeah. And you always go with the experienced team, almost always. Yes. The one seed always gets the benefit of a doubt. Right. You, but it, usually that, that separator is experience. You have an experienced point guard and, and maybe a couple, an experienced head coach. You know what I mean? Those, there's a reason Duke and North Carolina and those guys get back every year. Right. Um, I think it's the same for college football. When you have that experience and you've been to the national championship, you know about the layover and you know about getting there and, and the time off and being away from home. You know, all those things, you're like, oh, this isn't a big deal. I, I I think Clemson makes it closer than they should. I feel like on paper, LSU should blow them out. I'm still going to pick LSU to win. Okay. A so, close one. So you got LSU. I got Clemson. Yep. Either way, Tigers are going to win. Yeah, so. t- yeah. there's a Tiger winning something on Monday <laughs> night. I, uh, I got LSU winning, but I think it's closer than it should be because of Clemson's experience. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think we get a classic game. Yes. Not like last year where... I mean, last year was fun for a different reason, but I think we get a game like the year before where it goes down to the wire. Yeah. No, I think we get a great game on Monday night. I'm really looking forward to settle in for that one. The the more fun question is, so it's an ESPN game. Yes. And it's a national championship. You know they're going to have like eight different broadcast angles. From every angle. What do you watch? I just like the uh, traditional. Just put it on ESPN. Uh, give me the lousy announcers. That's fine. I'm used to that, but at least it's consistent. Some of the other angles and stuff weird me out. And then when they do some of the ones where there's like college coaches in a room talking about I it and love stuff, the coaches. I'll flip to that sometimes because they really put some very interesting remarks or things for you to look at that you don't normally see. I flip in there, but just for me, it's just give me the traditional telecast. The the two things I love about the coaches' corner that they mm-hmm. do. Uh, Herm Edwards used to host it. Oh, yeah. And he was incredible at yeah. that. Like, he's a talking head at every other thing Bristol asked him to do. Right. But in that coach's corner, he's a coach again. Yeah. And you could totally see the the Arizona State Herm Edwards before Arizona State when you watch those things. Right. Uh, the other one is Mike Gundy. Yeah. Of I need to see that mullet in high definition 365 <laughs> days out of the year. All the time. Ta- all time. Yeah. They, they, you think they have Clay Helton in there? Oh, good lord. <laughs> whoa, whoa. 
<laughs> I think I think Clay is the guy that he's not good at his job, obviously. Right. And and he's he's kind of a failure. Yeah. But nobody is willing to say that right. because his failure helps everybody else. Right. Oh yeah, nobody and in the so Pac-12 is, yeah. He gets all these coaches in a room and he's everybody's best friend. Oh, and he yeah. doesn't realize yeah. that hey Clay, there's a stain on your shirt or right. hey Clay, you, your seatbelt's unbuckled. You know, things like that. Yeah. They just let it slide. So it, it reminds me, I think it's I think it's the Geico commercial where uh Pinocchio's a terrible motivational right, speaker right. and everybody else He sees potential You have potential you have potential his nose gets yeah that that's kind of what that room would look like. Yes. I imagine Nick Saban will be in there. That's what happens when Pinocchio points at Clay Helton. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You have potential. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we've had our hour of fun. So we should probably about put a wrap on it, maybe. Man, you sound depressed. No, I'm not it was an hey, hour hey, goes by quick. One, some some sometimes an hour goes by quick. One last thing. We didn't talk basketball at all, and I feel bad, but well, we'll the, get there really quick. Ton- the ladies are killing it. Yeah, oh, those yeah. throwbacks are sweet. Those throwbacks are money, and they're playing just as sweet as those throwbacks look. Yep. They're they're dominating. They're destroying teams. Kelly is grinning from ear to ear in every interview. That team's legit. And Oregon State, Stanford coming up. Right. I can't wait for those games. I can't wait to see that team show the world what they can do. Yeah. And then on the men's side. There's a little panic. You split the mountain schools. Sure. I feel like this week is going to really teach us about Oregon. You have Arizona tomorrow, top 25 game. Right. You have ASU on Saturday. If you sweep the desert schools, nobody will remember that Colorado loss. Right. And and to me, the Oregon men's basketball team right now is an absolute perfect example of the Oregon football season this year. Yes. Had Young all these had, had these expectations for for Oregon, they go out and they play Auburn first game and they lose. And then everybody kind of revises their expectations. Then Oregon goes on a tear and wins four or five games, whatever. Right. Expectations. We're going to playoff, right? Oregon gets in that talk, and then it changes again. At the end of the day, we needed to revert back to what we believed in about that football team in August to what we believe in this basketball team in September. Totally October. Agree. And totally agree. I, I think that this is a team that's still young. Well, it's got a lot of young pieces, or a lot of new pieces. That's what I should say. You just added another piece to the puzzle in uh, Dante coming back. You got to work that in. They went on a tear. They've played some great basketball. I love what I'm seeing out of them. They lost the game that realistically they probably fairly should have lost. They're going to lose a couple more. Mm-hmm. The, the expectations need to remain the same, but I still believe come the end of the season, we're talking about a hell of a basketball team. I agree. I agree. I, I think Sweet 16 is the floor for this team, yeah. and, and the rest of Pac-12 play is going to prove that. Uh, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, my name's Matt Bagley. He's Justin Hopkins. He, we talked a ton about two pieces Justin wrote this week on Scoop Duck. Check those out, scoopduck.com, and find out a little more about who might be the next Ducks OC. Thank you for listening. Check us out on your favorite podcast app, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Rate us, share us, and have a great week, everybody. Go Ducks. I can do this night like all day long.